Turn with me, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. Tonight we're speaking on Choose Christ, part 3. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And we'll begin reading at verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And when they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas, therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could, not prevail, he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus... He delivered him to be crucified. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his own word, but let's just buy again in prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful narrative that tells us of your son and all that he has went through. Lord, we could never comprehend it. Neither can we fully understand it. But we're grateful for you, Lord. And we're grateful that Jesus paid our debt. Lord, tonight we ask you if there's one who has never come to saving faith and knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would draw them through the power of your spirit and the preaching of your word to the cross. And may they see the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, bearing away their sin in his own body on the tree, that they might be made the righteousness of God in him. So tonight, Father, shut each and every one of us in with thyself and glorify your name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Choose Christ, part three. In part one, we showed how Moses, through divine revelation and inspiration, how Moses was a proper child. In other words, he was an Hebrew, an Israelite. And through word of mouth, it was passed down the holy scriptures, as it were, the holy readings. That would have been given to Moses. Moses ends up writing, of course, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We're told of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 27. 
And 24, that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a choice. In verse 25, we're told he's choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So Moses chose Christ over Egypt. He chose Christ over Pharaoh and the fear of the king, as it were. He chose Christ over the popular opinion and the sway that would be against him. He chose Christ over the self-pleasing, comfort-filled lifestyle of living in Pharaoh's palaces. He chose Christ over his sin and all that he desired and wanted. He knew, he recognized, and he saw that it was but for a season. All of these things don't last. He could not take it with him. Rather, he kept his eye on the goal. We're told in verse 26 of Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Moses knew led up for him there was a crown of glory in the Lord. Verse 27 of Hebrews 11. We're told Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses looked with the eye of faith. Saw Christ and his kingdom. And Moses chose Christ over the things, the pleasures, the palaces, the treasures that he had. And Moses chose Christ. Will you choose Christ tonight over all that you have? Over popular opinion? Over what your family and your friends might say? What they might come against you with? The fears that you might have of what your work colleagues would say. What about the things I like in life and do in life that I might have to give up? Moses had so much to give up, yet he chose Christ, realizing that he cannot take it with him. Soon it would all be destroyed. It would fade away. But the kingdom of God will last forever. In part two, we showed how Joshua... Joshua was Moses' minister who would have seen the hand of God made bare on many occasions. Who would have heard Moses talk, Moses preach, and Moses even bring the Ten Commandments down from the mount. He saw Moses in battle and gaining victory through Almighty God. And Joshua being Moses' minister in his presence many times would have taken the things of God on board. A great witness was given to Joshua. Maybe you've had a witness of a Christian recently. Maybe you've had a witness of godly parents or godly grandparents who are telling you they're praying for you, or a wife who's got saved, or a husband who has come to faith. And they're telling you the things of the kingdom and of heaven, the glories of our Christ, and how he will come again, and how you must be ready for that occasion, should you meet the Lord, whether it's in the air at his return or at the appointment of our death, which is upon every man and woman, you must be ready. You must be right. Maybe you've heard a witness like this. You've seen a changed lifestyle. Joshua saw so much in Moses. And Joshua, being his minister, was called by Christ. He was challenged by Christ. And a sovereign move of God He by faith moved upon the bare word of God. When God called him to trust him, he entered into the promised land. Joshua chapter 1 
and verse 3. The Lord said unto Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And Joshua trusted the word and entered the promised land on the word of God. We spoke last week on sovereign ownership, sovereign choice or election, sovereign power, the sovereignty of God in his moving and dealing, and the sovereign word, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal word, who stood before Joshua and told him to arise and go. Joshua responded in faith and obedience. And Joshua advanced by faith from a servant in the wilderness with Moses. Moses is dead. And now still a servant, still there under that bondage. Where do we go next, Lord? The Lord tells him to move in faith and trust in his word. And Joshua becomes a son in the land. That's the blessing of Christ. That all of us that come into the family and fold of God, that we will become sons and daughters of the living God. Here's a little thought for you. Moses writes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The next book is Joshua. In Deuteronomy, Moses gives the blessings of God for Israel. In Deuteronomy, it's known as the wilderness book, for that's the last place where Moses was, in the wilderness, until God buried him. Here is the wilderness and the law and the commandments of God. Man unable to keep that law and those commandments sins and fails according to God's law. And like Moses who failed once, did not enter the promised land. But Joshua, in the grace of God coming to him, speaks of the next book, Deuteronomy, Joshua. The wilderness book is the book of Deuteronomy. Is it not strange that our Lord Jesus, when he was tempted of the devil, after fasting and weak in body and flesh, 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, is it not strange that the devil cometh to tempt him in the wilderness? And our Lord fights the devil with the word of God. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but at every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Three occasions he says to the devil, it is written. He comes under the subjection of God's word and he comes and uses the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And they all come to him in the wilderness and they come to the Lord Jesus from the book of Deuteronomy. There's something for a Bible student to look up and to think about. But here's a wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus, we're told in Luke chapter 4 and in verse 14, after his trial and temptation in the wilderness and overcoming that, he comes out of the wilderness, we're told. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Here he comes as sonship under the anointing of the Spirit to preach the word of God. Just a little thing for some Bible scholars that want to go and study those things. Matthew chapter 27. Here we have, after last week, Joshua saying, As for me and my house, never mind popular opinion and sway. Joshua didn't say, I'll wait until 
we see what the Levitical priestly tribe says. He didn't say, well, wait till we see what my wife says. He didn't say, I'll wait to see what our colleagues said. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chose Christ. And he entered the promised land. But here, another choice is being given in our reading. Another choice is being handed over to a Jewish crowd in Jerusalem. Pontius Pilate comes with two men, two prisoners. Barabbas is on one side, we're told, and Jesus, which is called Christ, is on the other side. Pontius Pilate comes and he offers these men one to be released. Which one will they choose? What is their crime? Who were these men? What are they in prison for? We're told in Matthew 27 and verse 17, Pontius Pilate asked the question, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Whom will ye that I release unto you? Four things I want to look at this evening. First of all, I want to look at the comparison between these two men. The comparison between these two men. We're told one was called Barabbas, And the other was called Jesus, which is called Christ. Name Barabbas. Scholars say that Barabbas, his his first name was actually Jesus. In fact, in some of the revised versions of the Bible, they actually put in the name Jesus. So his full name is Jesus Barabbas. And Pilate actually is meant to have said, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Jesus Barabbas? Or Jesus, which is called Christ. Now here's a dilemma. Here's something handed to every man and woman. Here's something given to the Jews that day. Whom will ye that I release unto you? And so they have to make a comparison to see exactly whom they will choose and what they will want. The name, we're told, it says Barabbas is broken into two words bar abbas the word bar means son let me just show you some scriptures for this for example in matthew 16 and verse 17 the lord jesus he is up the mountain he asks people he says he asks his disciples whom the men say that i the son of man and simon peter says to him thou art the christ the son of the living god Jesus replies unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Notice, Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Or blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonas. Bar means son for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So Bar-Abbas, Bar means son. And the word Abbas means father. Daddy, let me take you somewhere with this for a moment as we make a comparison between these two men. For example, let me just show you the word Abbas as in Barabbas or the word Abba, it's an Aramaic word. In Mark's Gospel chapter 14 and in verse 36, we find our Lord, he is in the garden of Gethsemane before his arrest and his trial. And as he's in Gethsemane, he is buckling under the weight and the stress of our sin. 
He is buckling under the pressure and the anxiety of all that will come upon him as he goes to the cross. And we're told he gets up and he falls. He gets up and he falls. He gets up and he falls. It means he keeps on getting up and he keeps on falling. And under that severe pressure, Christ feels in himself as a man. He feels what you feel. The pain you feel. The anguishes that you feel in your body. Thirst and hunger and tiredness. All of those things our Lord felt. And he feels this come upon him so much that he thinks that he will die in the garden rather than the cross. Listen to what he says in verse 36 of Mark 14. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thy will. Notice the word Abba. It's the same word. It means here, it gives the idea of daddy, as we would say. It gives the idea of close, intimate relationship. And he's buckling before and he's crying. Father is the word pater. And it gives the idea of that which whom you are, uh, you're linked to, that whom you come from. Your father. But the word Abba means daddy. The one whom he had fellowship with. It's this one and the same person now. There are not two fathers in heaven. Don't get me wrong. Here he is crying from a heart. Saying Abba. Closeness. Intimacy. Relationship. Let me show you another one. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. The apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome. And he says for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, everyone who has come to saving faith in Christ, every one of us who have been born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of Jesus through faith, and by God's grace, We have the indwelling Spirit of God and we have been adopted into His family that He is not only our Father, but He is our Daddy. And through the Holy Ghost, we have an intimacy with the Lord. Can I ask you something, Christian? How intimate are you with God? How intimate is your walk with God? How intimate is your prayer life with God? Is it formalized and is it ritual? Are your prayers cold and lifeless? Or do you love him? Do you know him? Do you respond to his promptings and his leadings and his drawings? How intimate are you with him? Abba, Daddy. Let me show you one more. Galatians 4 and 6 says, And because ye are sons of God, have sent forth, because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because you've been saved, because Christ is in you, the one who was in the garden, crying through intimacy, 
that closeness and relationship with his father, he cries, Abba, Father, he now lives in us. And because he lives within you, because he lives in every saint of God who has been redeemed with precious blood, you and I then have that union with God in Christ. That's how secure you are tonight. That's how secure you are in Jesus. That's how secure you'll be if you get saved tonight. If you died in your seat tonight, where would you be? You close your eyes in death, you open them, where would you be? When you stand before Almighty God, are you assured of salvation? Some say, I, well, I hope so. If, you do, if you're hoping, you're hoping wrong. You must assuredly know so. I think so. Then you don't know. You must be assured that you're saved, born again, and ready for the kingdom of God. So here we have Barabbas means son. Abba, Bar means son. Abbas means father. So let's put it together. Barabbas, his name means son of the father. Now think of this. It's like a courtroom. And here comes Pilate with Barabbas meaning son of the father and Jesus, which is called Christ. And he brings him to a Jewish crowd. He says, now you choose whom do you want. Here we have... If Barabbas' name, as many scholars think, his first name is Jesus. Let me tell you what way his name would read to them as he's brought forth. Here we have Jesus Barabbas or Jehovah, the salvation, son of the father. So the Jewish man's thinking. Now let me think about this. We're looking for Messiah to come. Friend, who is it you're looking for in a saviour? What is it that you're looking for for salvation? Well, if God speaks to me, if I see a flashing light, you know, if I hear a thunderous cloud, I'll tell you something, unless the Spirit of God moves you, you'll never come to Christ. But if God is speaking to your heart, he will always show you the real Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Here we have Barabbas on one side. Pilate comes forward in Matthew 27 and 17 and says, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ, or Jesus, which is Messiah, or Jesus, which is the anointed one of God? So let's look at the Lord Jesus to compare him unto Barabbas and thinking of this Jewish mindset. Jesus was a common name. Many people were called Jesus, but the scriptures pinpoint a certain man called Jesus for a reason. They show him up and elevate him out because that's the job, that's the, the, the office of the Holy Spirit of God to elevate and to exalt and to lift up the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. When we are choosing between Barabbas and Jesus, one who means Son of the Father and the other who means the Messiah, let's just look at this for a moment. The devils knew 
the devil himself knew who Jesus was. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, the devil comes to him, we talked about it in the wilderness, and he says, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. In other words, he's saying, if you're the Son of God, in other words, he's trying to sow seeds of doubt into whom Jesus is, for he is God and he is man. The devil sow seeds of doubt into your mind on the things of Christ. The devil will sow seeds of doubt into your mind of whom Christ is as Savior and the only Savior, the only way to the Father. The devil will sow seeds of doubt into your mind and your salvation in Christ alone, telling you you don't need this Jesus, you don't need this Christ, you don't need his blood, you don't need to trust in him, don't look at him, don't listen to him, and never accept him. If thou be the Son of God. The devil knew he was the Son of God. Verse 6 of Matthew 4, he says, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Then show everyone. But Jesus knew whom he was and where he had come from. And of course the devil knew. Listen to this, Mark's Gospel chapter 3. The very unclean spirits knew who Jesus was. It says, and the unclean spirits, verse 11, and the unclean spirits, when they saw him, the Lord Jesus, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. That's the unclean spirits. They knew who he was, the Son of God. For example, in John 1 and verse 49, Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree, Philip goes, to retrieve Nathanael, to bring him to Christ. And Christ tells Nathanael that he saw him before Philip had called him, sitting under a fig tree. Nathanael's mind is blown away by this, wondering how on earth a man could know this. Listen to what Nathanael says of him. Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And that's who he is. At the very conception, coming up to it, Gabriel comes to a virgin girl called Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 31, reading on, says, And behold, he says to her, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Here is David, the, the king of Israel who has now passed away, who is dead. A thousand years almost. He says, and, and his seed will come and will sit upon his throne. Speaking of Christ in his humanity and Christ as a man. Yet he is David's greater son. Listen to this, verse 35. Gabriel says to Mary, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and therefore also that holy thing. Notice the way Gabriel announces the Son of God. He says, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The holy thing. Do you see that little baby? Do you see that holy thing? Do you see that little man child? That holy thing. Do you see that flesh and blood and bone and sinew? That holy thing. He is the son of God. 
Gabriel knew who he was. The son of God, not a son of God. At his baptism, the father cries as John the Baptist puts him into the river. He says, it says, Although a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father says, This is my him. See that holy one. You see that holy thing you're dipping in the water. That holy thing is my beloved son. The word beloved son is the word agapitas vias. In other words, agapitas comes from the idea from agape love. It's a love which is called out of the heart according to the preciousness of an object that's loved. And the object, the holy thing that was born of a virgin, the object, the holy thing that sat in a temple of 12 years of age, the object, the holy one who was taken and he was crucified and he was the holy one of God, the son of the living God. He says that one, He who hangs and bleeds and dies in agony for you. He's my son. He calls the love out of my heart. Can you get it? Can you get it? He calls the love out of my heart. I'll say it again. For as he's hanging in agony, bearing your sin and mine, Redeeming us with precious blood and pain and agony. He who cried, Abba, he allowed him to die that you might be saved. The Father says, He, just Him, He calls the love out of my heart. He is my agapitas, the we are. He's my beloved, and I've given for you. You know, if someone can grab that, someone who's not saved can grab that tonight and understand of what it took to save your soul and understand what the Lord done that you might be forgiven and redeemed. If you can grasp that, if you can grab that, if you can take hold of that tonight and understand the very import of that, the very strength of it, that the Son of the living God who calls the love out of the Father's heart had to hang and bleed and die in agony that you and I might be saved, then surely we must ask ourselves, then Lord, my works are not enough. My good deeds are not enough. Me being a good parent isn't enough. My churchianity isn't enough. No denomination is enough. No priest nor pontiff is enough. None is enough. For you sent your son. Your capitas. We us. Can you grab that tonight? I trust you grab that tonight. That no matter what you do. You can never save yourself. No matter who you are, you are never ready for heaven. Unless you accept what his son has done. There's no comparison, sure there's not. There's no comparison. Time's flying on. Let me just go on a little further. The scriptures 
tell us. Pinpoint him, this Jesus. He's called Jesus of Nazareth. See the Jesus that comes from Nazareth, the miracle worker. He is the Son of God. That holy thing. That holy thing. So the comparison goes on. Let me just look at the the comparison further on here. Matthew chapter 27. We're told of Barabbas that they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas. He was a notable prisoner. In Mark 15 and verse 7 it says, And there was one named Barabbas which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So here now Barabbas, son of the father. This man had an insurrection. He had a revolution. And his, his followers, they had killed people, innocent men and women. And whenever they, they're caught, they're all lying in a prison cell. And Barabbas is lying and languishing in the midst of them. And they come and they bring him out of there and they say, Come on, do we see if the people want you? Imagine that. This man is brought out of prison. And Christ, who that night was breaking bread with his disciples and singing unto God. Where's the comparison? Luke 23 and 19 tells us Barabbas was a murderer. John 18 and verse 40 tells us Barabbas was a robber. He's a murderer. He's a robber. He committed insurrection. You see, the Jews loved it. You know why they loved it? Because they wanted a real Messiah. And Barabbas, son of the Father, if his name is Jesus, Jehovah saves, son of the Father. He's now slaying the Romans. Put them out of Judea. We don't want them in our land. We want them out of here. We want rid of the Romans. And a man rises up with many followers and says, follow me. You get the idea about Barabbas now? This is what's happening. And that's how the devil draws men and women. Follow me. When Christ is the only one that can set you free. Barabbas was a Jewish zealot who fought against the Romans. He was a warrior while Christ was a lover. Christ was a healer. Christ came and he went about doing good. Taught the kingdom of God. Preached the kingdom of God. Manifest the kingdom of God in signs and wonders. Here he came and he raised the dead. He gave a mother back her son. He gave parents back their daughter. He gave a sister back her brother. This was the sort of Messiah and Christ that had come. He hadn't come as a lion but as a lamb. Barabbas took up the sword. But listen to what Jesus said. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when they went to arrest him that night, John 18 and 11, Peter takes out a sword. And in the darkness, he pulls a sword out and he cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Malchus was his name. And Jesus turns around to Peter and listen to what he says. Put up the sword, thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given to me, shall I not drink it? And he takes the beemon's ear and he sticks it back on the side of his head. See, that's who our Jesus is. That's the loving Savior that he is. That's the Christ I love and serve. Before Pilate brings him out and crucifies him, we're told that the Lord says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. The word world there is cosmos. My kingdom is not of this 
world system of things. But when my kingdom comes, your system's going down. That's what he means. He's talking about the, 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 the vision that he gave. Yes, he gave to Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel interpreted. Here we had the legs of iron, the Roman Empire. And we're told Jesus knew the great stone kingdom was cut out without hands. And it would come and smash that kingdom. You'll have to read the book of Daniel chapter 2 and 4 and so on. Jesus knew exactly what he meant. You see, it's not what religion the Jews wanted. For they had it all sewed up. Their Judaism. I can't get over some Christians. That's all. It's Judaism in the brain. I don't understand them. Judaism in the brain. That their religion sewed up. Everything was sorted out in their side. They'd lined their pockets and they were in a dead, lifeless religious bondage. First Corinthians 22, I want to just read it for a moment to you. Sorry, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. That's what I meant to say. Listen to this, what Paul says. The Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, the Jews wanted a Messiah. The Jews wanted a Barabbas. They wanted the Romans to be feeling the, the sword. That's what they wanted. They were looking for Messiah to come in a white charger, glistening armor, and all to be great in the kingdom. That's what they wanted. Barabbas would fit the bill. But as for this Christ, he loves he says his kingdom is not of this word, hence the service would fight. What sort of Messiah is that? The Greeks, the word Greek can actually be translated Gentiles, but it really means, it can mean Gentiles, it can mean Greeks, but it also means those of the house of Israel who have been Gentilized, I'll put it in brackets. That's who they're speaking to here. Listen to this. Paul says the Jews require a sign. The Greeks, they were, they were looking for wisdom, philosophy. That's what they're known for, the followers of democracy. And you know, our, our government shouldn't be a democracy either. It should be, uh, it, it should be a country, it should be a nation that is ruled by Almighty God himself. A theocracy. Jews required a sign, they looked for wisdom. This just seemed foolishness that a saviour would die on a cross. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block to the Greeks foolishness. See the word we, it's emphatic. This is why Paul writes this. But we, see the Jews, the Jews want the champion. They got Barabbas. The Greeks, they're looking for wisdom. Let them take their wisdom. Paul says to those believers, he says, but we, that's where it goes, as for me, the choice. We preach, gives the idea of an herald coming with a message from God and not of man. We preach Christ, nothing but Christ. Friends, I'm not looking for a future temple and a future antichrist and future sacrifices. It's all done in Christ. It's all done at the cross. Every single iota, stroking of a T, dotting of an I, is all found in Christ. Christians wake up to these things. There's Christians there and they're chasing, trying to, to bring the perfect bull here. The red heifer. Friend, the only red I want is the blood of Jesus. That's it. 
That's just something there for some theologians. They're not like that. Christ crucified, it means he who was crucified, he continues the character of the crucified one. See, in heaven tonight, tonight, in heaven tonight, the scars of the nails are still in his hands. The scars of the nails are still in his feet. The riven side is still there. The, the piercing of the thorns is still around his head. All the scars are still on him. And you think you'll get to the kingdom without him. I'll close with this. That's only my first point at four. I got carried away, so I'll have to do another night. I left my notes. I got carried away there. Whom will you that I release unto you? Here the comparison is made. Do you want he, Barabbas, who means son of the father, or do you want the real son of the father? One who looks and acts and, if you want, typifies anti-Christ. You know, anti-Christ isn't always an open opposition. Anti, it means in the place of. He who would take the place of Christ. And Barabbas took the place of Christ when he was released onto the Jews. One of my points would have followed up to that. What happened to them down through history? Well, maybe tell you next week. It became a, a proverb, a taunt, a byword. Scattered and they became persecuted. Their temple was destroyed. For Christ had paid it all. Friend, this is the beloved son of the Father. And if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you'll not enter in your own merit. You must come by faith through grace and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Choose Christ. Whom will you choose? God bless his word to all our hearts. I'll see him. I'll be doing another part next week. I'll wait and see how the Lord leads me. Thank you for your...